Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. So we're starting off our new topic on uh, seronegative arthritis and our first one we're talking about, we mentioned, was ankylosing spondylitis. So Hamid, what, uh, we'll start off with our favorite definitions of ankylosing, uh, of the condition. So what is the definition of an ankylosing spondylitis? So um, it's an inflammatory condition that results in a destruction of the articular cartilages and and results in bony ankylosis. So ankylosis means Mm -hmm. stiffening. So the bones become really stiff. Mm. And this is important when we talk about, you know, where it's actually affecting. So Mm. keep that in the back of your mind. Mm. It can start in the the sacroiliac joints, but it can also affect the apophyseal joints as well. So apophyseal joints are the joints that mm-hmm. the vertebrae stack on each other so that's my mm. understanding of what what those joints are yeah so as you can tell it's a disease that's affecting the spine mm-hmm. predominantly but it has other features that are really interesting as well cool so do you want to talk about maybe the pathophysiology very quickly well so one of the common things that you find in ankylosing spondylitis is this thing called enthesitis and we've mentioned what an enthesis was was where essentially a tendon or a ligament attaches onto the bone mm. so it's yeah. inflammation of the area where the uh, tendon and the ligament attaches onto the bone yeah yeah exactly right um, and so what, what happens uh so well you're going to get inflammation and that can uh lead on to osteopenia erosions and then the body's going to try and compensate so it's got ossification occurring yeah. and eventually what happens is a syndesmosis that occurs so you create this thing called a syndesmophyte or another word for it is osteoproliferation so what i'm picturing is just outgrowth of bone mm. that eventually causes the two previously separate uh, separate bone bodies to actually start to fuse together yeah. and, and, and anchor together. Exactly. And that's the problem, mm. isn't it? Because the bones, now you have these new bone growth through that initial erosion and mm. that really causes this stiffening of the bones. Mm. And so if it's, in the, if it's in the vertebra, for example, it's difficult to flex or rotate the mm. vertebra. We'll talk about that more in, in a moment. Yeah. Who do you tend to see this condition more in? Because we kind of alluded to it in our previous episode when we did a very brief intro. Yeah. Um, is it more common in men or women? I'm going to say men this time. Yeah. So in men, there's a there's a, a higher prevalence than females. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Is there a genetic association as well? Uh, I think they, with a lot of these seronegative arthritis, they have found a correlation between HLA B27. Yeah. And um, so I think that is the, that that's the one that I, I think can think so, of. Yeah. yeah. That's I think that's mm. the main one. So you were about mm. to say. Um, so what's the ratio between the distribution mm. in men and versus um, females? Mm. Roughly, I think like one one source quotes it as a five to one. Five to one. Yeah. So mm. that's you know very skewed towards um, towards Male, males in the population. Yeah. Mm. So if someone is suspected of having um, mm. ankylosing spondylitis. What are some of the symptoms that you can get? So we mentioned it's probably obviously in the spine, so that's affecting the a- actual skeleton. Mm. But what's actually actually happening? What are they presenting with? So one of the things that they can present with is a lower back stiffness mm. or a mid back stiffness. So it's affecting around the the lumbar region or also the sacroiliac joints as yeah. well. So one of the things is a prolonged morning stiffness, um, night pains, and a persistent buttock pain as well. You could also have a painful uh, sacral iliac joint, which uh, which can be palpated. I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Mm. And obviously, if your bones are fusing at a at late, you know, progressed mm. form of this condition, mm. then you're going to have spinal restriction. So you can't really flex the uh, you know flex at the hip. It's quite mm-hmm. difficult. You can't really laterally um, lateral flexion at, at the thorax might be quite difficult as well. Mm. And that can actually affect um, your chest wall expansion as well if you're talking about the thoracic vertebra, mm-hmm. um, for example. And what happens in the neck if it's occurring in the if it's moving up in the cervical spine? Can you flex as well? I, I think that with the cerv- in the cervical spine, your 
the degree of flexion would also mm. be reduced. Yeah. Uh, and there's a particular yeah. test that we kind of learned about um, mm. in the uh, MSK exams. Remember mm. the occiput to wall? Oh, so they're standing up yeah. again with the feet against the wall. Well, have with your back against the wall, but with your feet, uh, the back of your heel closely against to the, the wall. To the wall. Yeah. And what you're trying to do is try to put your head while standing up straight on, like lean back and have the head exactly. touch the wall. Yeah. So yeah. someone with um, ankylosing spondylitis. So it kind of makes sense to me now why we do it. And, mm. you know, before we were learning, I'm like, well, what's the point of this exam? Mm. But in someone who has ankylosing spondylitis that's progressed to the to the cervical um, mm. area, yeah. then their neck is going to be flexed. So they can't really, um, you know, uh, extend their occiput back towards the wall mm. and so it's considered a positive sign if the occipital wall is greater than five centimeters um, mm. in these patients okay. so that kind of puts this clinical correlate in perspective for me yes what happens with the posture as well when in mm. these patients because you know this is affecting the curvature of the spine ultimately so does that change well i think um there are a few things that might occur so in lump in the lumbar region where you usually have a bit of a lordosis that could possibly be affected and, mm. and decreased sometimes what you find is that the have we actually gone through what lordosis and do you want to maybe mention it i don't no, think we have oh well, yeah. we if, if we did we'll just recap it again as yeah. well so lordosis essentially is I think it's a backward arching. Um, the way I remember, if you're standing in front of, of someone, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. kind of a con- their spine is convex, so it's pointing mm-hmm. into the belly. Yeah. Um, whereas kyphosis, for example, is yep. sort of like a hump, mm-hmm. and it, and that can be normal. You can have normal lordosis and kyphosis. They are a normal feature of a spine if you have a look at any anatomy mm-hmm. textbook. Yeah. But if it's when it's exaggerated, that's when it becomes problematic. Yeah. So remember how we said in uh, in patients with who have um, thoracic involvement, then their um, breathing chest wall expansion could be mm-hmm. reduced. Mm-hmm. That's because they're getting um, uh, kyphosis, yeah. um, which can cause issues with their breathing. Mm-hmm. And what happens at the cervix? So cervix normally have a bit of lordosis. Yeah. But what happens in, in these patients? So what is it? I, I'm, I'm picturing it's locked in the lordosis position. Mm. What, what else do you have in mind? So yeah, so it's going to be locked in. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they can't really you know, flex as well. Mm. Um, but is there anything else that changes? Well, well, with the lumbar region, as I was saying, it, it usually is in a lordosis position. But when you actually bend over, like a normal person, when you try to bend over for, uh, and pick up something on, on the ground, yeah. your lumbar region, the lordosis will uh, flatten out and you're going... Because because the the joints the, the way they're structured they're going to they're going to tilt forward but in uh, ankylosing spondylitis the lumbar segment's going to start to be stiff uh, it's going to get stiffened and they're going to lock together so you're going to maintain a bit of lumbar lordosis when you actually bend forward as well so yeah. the degree there's a test that they do for it it's called the Schober test yeah that's and, right um, if you have a look you'll you'll understand um, the reasoning behind it yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a test where you measure the distance of the curvature when the yeah, per- person... The bent. increase in curvature, yeah. yeah. and in someone who's got ankylosing spondylitis, I believe, as you mentioned as mm. well, the distance is not as high as yeah. someone who Spot on. has a normal um, spine curvature as well. Yes. So, obviously, it predominantly affects the actual, but I think like other conditions, there might be some extra mm. articular, but also mm. other joints involved as well, Yeah. Um, or other regions involved. So, what happens in the periphery? So, we found that... You can have a asymmetrical large joint arthritis occurring in the periphery, and this typically occurs in the lower limb. Yeah. Another thing was the enthesitis, the the inflammation in the jointing, uh, the joining sites of the ligaments, the tendons onto the bo- bones. The enthesitis can 
occur and can be tender over the tibial tuberosity mm-hmm. around the Achilles tendon joining sites, as well as the plantar fascia, so on the feet. Yeah. So they're all semi- seemingly on the lower limb. Exactly. But yeah. I think predominantly it's an actual issue. So it's affecting the spine. Yeah. And you can have extra articular manifestations. And I don't fully understand how this comes about. Obviously, this no. is some sort of a immune reaction. Yeah. But I don't understand why you can have such a diverse um, systemic sort of presentation. Do you want to maybe mention briefly mm. what some of those are? So we found things that had to do with um, the ophthalmic presentations. So this acute anterior uveitis could commonly present. And you mentioned to me earlier that the uvea is uh, the essentially the around the ciliary and the, ciliary and the lens and, yeah. uh, and the retina. Yeah. In, in the eye, yeah. And then you've also got, uh, you can have a renal uh, manifestation. So amyloidosis and IgA nephropathy could possibly uh, manifest with ankylosing spondylitis. You've got GI uh, manifestations, so inflammatory bowel disease, cardiac manifestations, Mm. uh, respiratory manifestations, neurological manifestations. I think the neurological makes sense to me because if you have, you know, um, bony outgrowth, um, Mm. for example, and remember how we said this occurs in the lumbar and the sacral area, Mm. if that starts compressing some of the nerve roots, and we'll mention this in our neurology blog, Mm. That can cause a Kodokwana syndrome as well. Mm. That makes sense to me, but some of the other ones I can't really make sense of unless there's you know some sort of CD you know t, mm. uh, t, uh, T cell involvement. Yeah, and obviously with skin you can have maybe psoriasis in some patients as well. Sure. So once you suspect um, ankylosing spondylitis, what are some of the investigations that mm. that you can uh, run to to try to diagnose patients with it? Yeah. So of the investigations we come across, a lot of them are to do with. Uh, x-ray imaging yeah. or like just imaging in, in general to see the extent of um, disease progression so one of the things we look at is a sacroiliac joint and apparently one of the things that can show up is a pseudo widening of the joint due to erosions with joint sclerosis mm. um, another thing that you can we can do is look at the spine and what do you see so yeah so you, as we mentioned you have these new you know especially at, at a late stage you have these bony outgrowths so that yep. you know the spine looks a m- much more square than, than rounded, which mm. is, you know, spine is a little bit more rounded if you have a look at uh, x-rays. Yeah. you can also see um, fibrosis of the annulus um, fibrosa, yep. which is the sort of the disc, the outer uh, outer region of the disc. Yes. And so that probably explains why the spine doesn't bend as well either, because now you mm. don't have the sponginess, you have this very stiffened um, mm. disc. Yeah. And also on the next ray you get this thing called the bamboo, um, bamboo spine, where mm. you get these um, really... It looks like a bamboo because, you know, everything is stiffened and hard. And connected, yeah. Exactly. Mm. I think, can you run MRIs in patients with um, this as well? Yeah, and certainly that's one of the things that they do to assess activity in early diseases. So they detect, uh, so there's a certain detection of cartilage changes, bone marrow edema, bone erosions. I don't quite fully understand it, but I think they're just things that changes in the disease processes that can be picked up early on in an MRI. Exactly. So mm. before the whole bone ossification yeah. starts, you can actually detect it a bit earlier. Mm. Now, what are some treatment options for these? Um, what mm. are some non-pharmacological approaches? Well, I think uh, from what we read was that this we try to prevent fusion from poor postures or and causing a disability exactly probably and so what you can do is some certain exercises such as yeah. swimming you can um, do postural and deep breathing exercises uh, you can there's other things such as 
asking the patient not to smoke. And I think smoking in general is an advice given to everyone because smoking can mm. uh, increase the risk of autoimmune conditions. Oh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, which is um, the, the topic we talked about a few days ago, um, uh, last time actually. So the scleroderma, I think one of the things you could do is also stop smoke cessation to prevent the renals from Yeah, that's worse. right, because of the hypoxia. Mm, yeah, exactly. interesting. But yeah, anyway. just smoke cessation is yeah. the way to go for, for everything. For most people, yeah. isn't it? Um, and uh, I think physiotherapy could yeah. generally be a, a good thing. for Because they can recommend players. exercises and, and um, ways of stretching the spine and to, uh, also also maintaining muscle strength around the mm. cores as well. Yeah. So if you... So, you know, if, if this isn't helping and you want to, in, you know, introduce pharmacological interventions. Yes. I don't think there is a lot you can do, but what are mm. some of the options that, that patients have? Well, NSAIDs, I guess, um, yeah. so can be used to, I guess, manage pain, probably. Um, probably the joint inflammation, uh, the, you know, tendon mm. inflammations and things like that. Mm. But what, what other things have we come across? Um, I think if they get a lot of peripheral symptoms, you can uh, give them DMARDs, which we've sort of alluded to before. So yep. things like um, methotrexate, sulfasalazine. Yep. I'm not sure whether hydroxychloroquine is used as much in these patient populations. No, yeah. Um, but mm. yeah, DMARDs are, are one option if yep. they progress. Biologics, but I think biologics, I'm not sure whether they're funded in Australia for, for this indication. We'll and probably we'll, have to have a look into yeah, it. We'll yeah, we'll have to have a look because biologics are so expensive. Yeah. Um, and obviously glucocorticoids when they get f- um, flare-ups, yep. uh, particularly into the joint to, to minimize um, mm. inflammation around the tendon area as well. Mm. Are there any other things that you can think of? Well, I think there's also surgical interventions probably when in maybe, I- I'm guessing, to, to treat uh, late stages of the diseases or probably when, when the joints are actually fused together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So to correct maybe for the deformities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So hip replacements or... Um, and, and other sort of spine, spinal surgeries. Yep, exactly. Yep. So that's it for um, spondylosis. So spondylosis, uh, in a nutshell, is sort of destru- destruction of um, the cartilages, which then leads to you know uh, bone stiffening through erosion that happens in this destructive process. Yep. And there are both non-pharmacological and pharmacological treatments, but they're not they're not the greatest. And X-rays are the way is one way of diagnosing it. I think. Yep. Is there anything else you want to add? Mm, I think it's a quite a disabilitating disease. Yeah, it is, um, especially because you know it starts occurring at such a young age. Mm. Um, I think we'll leave it at that. Yep, and um, we'll continue with our seronegative arthritis in a future episode. So yeah, uh, tune in for our next next round of talks. Yep, thank you. Thanks. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our co-editor Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.